my father was about my age, he decided to go on a whitewater <laughs> canoeing expedition in the Yukon. For those of you unfamiliar with the Yukon, it is in northwestern Canada, and it remains a very remote location. I wasn't sure why he was going at the time. He hadn't been an outdoorsman, and I couldn't ever remember him going camping. This was a month-long trip on a serious river when cell phones didn't exist. To reach the launch point of the trip, he had to uh, fly in a small plane since there were no roads for miles. When the plane landed, he looked out the window and saw that people had coats on with hoods pulled tight around their faces. It wasn't so cold, so this was a surprise. What surprised him more was stepping off the little plane and being assaulted by more mosquitoes than he'd ever seen in his life. It turns out the hoods were trying to protect their faces from the bugs. The mosquitoes were just the beginning. Despite purchasing the best gear he could, he did not sleep well on that rocky ground. With no resupply, the group had to carry a lot of food and portaging the canoes, carrying them past parts of the river that were impassable, was brutally hard. The paddling itself was exhausting. The water was freezing. The rapids ranged from class three to class five, requiring endurance, technique, and focus. After a few days, my father pulled the guide aside and told him that this trip just wasn't for him and that somehow he needed to be picked up. The guide just smiled, looked at my father and said, Dave, you know what I've noticed about you? You're addicted to comfort. We're gonna break that addiction on this trip. And he turned and walked away. I'm sure we have all felt the allure and the addiction of comfort. Some writers have called the history of Western civilization the stories of humans trying to become more comfortable. And we live more comfortably than any people at any time in human history. What are some of our comforts at home? Max? A bed. A bed. Tail. Food. Tucker. Air conditioning. Air conditioning. Crash. A roof over our heads. Roof over our heads. <clears throat> Peter. Video games, TV. Malcolm. Hot showers. Evan. Electronics. Ryan. Working toilets. Jackson. Our family. Ian. Calls and messaging. Sammy? Fresh water. Fresh water. Charles? Laundry machines. Laundry machines. Archer? Showers at all. Absolutely. Timmy? Food delivery. Food delivery. It is easy to confuse comfort for happiness. It is easy to confuse comfort for happiness. Because when we are too comfortable, we are not growing. Some of you may have seen the Disney movie WALL-E, where all humans have abandoned Earth as a trash can, and they float around in space watching movies all day. It is a chilling image and a children's story 
one where humanity has raised comfort to the highest goal. It is not intuitive to seek discomfort. It takes practice and self-discipline. Fortunately, we are all at camp where we get to practice being uncomfortable pretty much every day. What are some of the ways that we are deliberately, intentionally uncomfortable here? Matthew. Expeditions. Expeditions. Teddy. Cold showers. Cold showers. Jet. Hikes. Hikes. Isaac. Walking up from tub. Walking up from tub. DJ. Jacob's ladder. Ryan? Sweeping every dorm. Jackson. Limited communication. Justin. Scheduled for an activity. It's not my favorite thing. Fairfax. Waking up early. Waking up early. Peter. Almost no electronics. Charlie. Less privacy. Robert. No AC. Uh, Wyatt. Going to the mines. Ian. No lighting. Tails. Trying something new. No electricity. No electricity. Yep. Jet. Sitting in Mem Hall, not necessarily where you're getting shoes, but with new people. Sitting with new people in Mem Hall. Gideon. Uniformity. Is that what, uniformity? Is that it? Wearing the uniform and keeping things the same? Sure. Reggie? Inspections and staying clean. Amos? Bad mattresses. Bad mattresses. <laughs> uh, Jack Anderson, maybe we could leave this part out of the recruiting video. It's a lot of discomfort. Surprisingly, no one also mentioned rain, bugs, these shorts. The byproduct of facing discomfort again and again and knowing that you can get through it is self-discipline. What are the ways that we practice self-discipline here at camp? Timmy. We do a lot of things together. We do a lot of things together. Max. Other campers check our duties. Other campers check our duties. James. We do everything until it's finished. We do everything until it's thoroughly finished. <coughs> Taylor. Inspection. Morning and afternoon and weekend inspection. Wyatt? Being rewarded. Tell me more about that. For, for what? For Mary Lamb. Oh, yeah, the reward for keeping the grounds clean. Hit on the ones I had listed. Other things I think of, turning our tags, keeping our shirts tucked in, the language that we use, our rules during rest. One that came to mind is how we space things out on the shelves for inspection. Mr. Inspector, I hope that's still two fingers. All of those things are rituals built in parts of our daily structure to help us practice something we might not choose to practice ourselves at first. It is very, very easy to think our way out of being self-disciplined. It is very, very easy to think our way out of it. What do we tell ourselves? What rationalizations do we use 
when we want to get out of doing something when we don't just want to do it? Tao. I'll, I'll do it later. It's too hard. It's too hard. Great. Someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. Someone else will pick that up. Evan. Maybe another time. Aubrey. This is not for me. Evan. I'm too busy. I'm so busy. These guys not as busy as me. Ryan. I've already done enough. What else could you ask of me? Tucker. Sorry? I'm not capable of doing it. Sure. Tucker. I'd rather do this other thing right now. I'd rather do this other thing right now. It's my life. James. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Why do I have to space these things two fingers apart on a shelf? It does not matter. Henry. Not my problem. Not my problem. Peter. Never done it before, so why should I start now? Ian. I'll do it when I'm older. Evan. Doesn't matter. I also had these people here are crazy. <laughs> Acting, taking action, cutting through our rationalizations takes what Mr. Charlie used to call a bit of tough-mindedness. He used to say when he was younger that the pendulum was way over here where people would act, act quickly, but act thoughtlessly. And then he felt that maybe the pendulum had swung back over here where people were embracing the camp motto maybe a little too much, where they were stopping and thinking and thinking and thinking and stopping and thinking some more. We want to be right here in the middle where we're acting thoughtfully. Mr. Troy, uh, Mr. Charlie used to tell a story, and I'll use my best Mr. Charlie voice for this. He would say, I dreamed I was up in a tree, looking down on a camping party. And as I looked down, there was a camping party functioning somewhere in the woods, and there were a group of boys sitting around talking. Beside them, I noticed a very dirty frying pan. And I listened to these boys talking, and their conversation went something like this. Ah, oh, gee, the spirit on this camping party is terrible. What's the matter? Nobody understands old time spirit. We can't seem to get it together. The system is, is wrong. I was brought up not to accept this kind of thing. Things, things are terrible. And as I looked down, I thought to myself, if one boy would get up, pick up a frying pan, take it down to the lake and wash it, it would cure all the ills of the world. Creating discipline and strength in ourselves takes balancing thoughtless action on one side of the pendulum with endless rationalization and inaction on the other side. Inside the shack, there's a small note tacked up on a wall that has a quote from a famous conductor of the Berlin Philharmonic that says, if the details are right, the performance will work. If the details are right, the performance will work. What a performance we could have here this summer. What a performance each of you could have individually. For the details to be right, 
It takes self-discipline. Self-discipline takes being tough-minded with ourselves, with others, and to be tough-minded, we must sometimes be willing, be eager, in fact, to be uncomfortable, to do something we'd rather not do. This past year, you may have felt yourself lose some of your self-discipline. So many of us lost our normal routines and structure that guides us. So many of us were just trying to get through this crazy thing we were all experiencing that no one had experienced before. At times, it may have felt like we just needed to be in survival mode, that you had no bandwidth for the details, no energy to push yourself on the little things. Part of returning to normal, a sign of healing, is having the strength to reach once more and again for high standards for yourself and for high standards for your community. When someone holds you to a high standard, it is not because they don't like you, it is not because they are picking on you. When someone holds you to a high standard, it is because they believe in you. When you hold yourself to that high standard, it is a sign you believe in yourself. I believe in each and every one of you. Let's go back to the Yukon, where my father was standing, cold, bug-bitten, and exhausted. He finished that trip. And the next year, he went back to the Yukon and paddled on a different river. The year after that, he traveled to Africa to paddle the Zambezi River. The year after that, he went to the Soviet Union to paddle on Lake Baikal. After that, he took me, when I was 17, to the Himalaya Mountains in Pakistan. Believe me when I tell you there were parts of that trip that were very uncomfortable. He discovered that he loved adventure, and being uncomfortable was no longer a barrier to him. In fact, it was an opportunity to be his best, and he sought it again and again. Shortly before his death two years ago, when he was bedridden with cancer, I brought my children to him so they could say goodbye. To everyone's surprise, he pulled himself out of bed, sat with his grandchildren on his lap, watching video footage he'd shot during one of his many trips to India. He loved India, and he sought out the poorest, loudest, dirtiest, and most crowded places to visit. The last thing he said to us was to remember there are people and places not like the ones you know. There are people and places not like the ones you know. If he'd given up in the Yukon, if he had not been tough-minded, he would never have had those adventures, and he never would have had those lessons to give to me and my children. Think of all that is in front of you this summer. I invite you to look at the five weeks ahead of us as a time to build and rebuild your strength. Build and rebuild your self-discipline through sowing small acts. 
New occasions teach new duties. I invite you to aspire for your best once again.